Welcome to All Tea No Shade. My name is Xander Alexander, and I am just living my best life. Trying to keep it real, trying to keep it cute, and trying to keep it real cute. All Tea No Shade. Now let's spill some tea. Hello, 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 everybody. This is Shit Gay Boys Say, brought to you by All Tea, No Shade. Because what goes in must come out. And as usual, we are bringing you everything. And I mean everything. From top to bottom, okay? We bring it to you from top to bottom. You pick pretty nail color. This why you have no boyfriend, because you don't pick no pretty nail color. So we're talking everything from tops to bottoms. Mm -hmm. And by the way, when's the last time you've bottomed? Okay, let's ask the real questions. We're gonna be covering things like topping, bottoming, mm -hmm. being versatile, mm. mask, femme, dom, sub, and no, we're not talking about you, Jerry. Stay away from the children. How you doing? And kink, which they're thinking about adding as an official letter to the LGBTQ already growing acronym. And then finally, we'll end it off with a sprinkle of Pete Buttigieg, who is the darling of politics right now, the first gay, openly gay candidate to run for office, and that's fierce. Work, Pete Buttigieg. Most people can't pronounce his last name because it has yeah. a butt in it. Uh -huh. And today's guest host is none other than Black Forest. Woo! Give it up for Black Forest, everybody. Yay. Yes, queen. Yes, queen. Um, as you all know, this is recorded in front of a live studio audience. That is a studio audience of zero. However, let me know thank you, thank this you. is recorded live. Mm -hmm. Don't get it twisted. Don't get it braided. <laughs> just get it pressed. All okay. right. All right. So, now. So, speaking about press. All tea, no shade. Yes. Now, yes. let's so. spill some tea. Okay. So, when it comes to bottoming and topping, first of all, let's try to get people into the subculture mindset of being a gay. Now, in the gay world, even though let's, and we're talking about two guys right now, because we speak on behalf of two gay guys. In the, the subculture of the gay world, people tend to take on heteronormative roles. So there's a traditional male and a traditional female. Now, that's like when ignorant people once upon a time used to ask, who's the boy and who's the girl, who's the husband, who's the wife. It's kind of like saying who's the top and who's the bottom. Although people with their non-gender conforming ways are now starting to push those boundaries and evolve what it means to be a top, bottom, and versatile. So just from your perspective, what are some things when you associate top off the top of your head, pun intended, what are some of the things that you associate with being a top? Well, um, no, so I associate top being a dominant. Okay, dominant. What about um, masculinity? Um, traditionally speaking. Tradi oh, traditionally speaking, masculinity? Control. 
control. Yeah, that's okay. Pops to your mind. Yeah. So the top is in what for better for lack of a better terms to put it in breeders' terms, okay. the top <sighs> is like the boy, so to speak. But now, when we talk about gender nonconformity, we're going to let you know where the differences are. So, a top is usually the aggressor, and they like to be in control of the situation. They are usually the person, when you grab hands, who's on the top or the outside, and the bottom is on the backside. Uh-huh. See how that, like, yeah. imagine if we were grabbing hands. Right. We we're walking down. Right. Yeah. Like, got it. That's yeah. the top. Right. Otherwise, you use dominant. the other hand. Like, dominant, yeah. Dom top. Dom top. Um, so, now, what about bottoming? When you think of a bottom, what what is conjured into your mind? Housewife. Okay, housewife. <laughs> it's very true. The, the real housewife. You better know how to cook, honey. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you better know how to get in that kitchen, girl. She don't know already yeah. had hers. <laughs> um, a little bit more feminine, mm-hmm. usually. Mm-hmm. Um, more passive. More sensitive. More sensitive. Yes. Or more, more. And they typically tend to be the flamboyant ones. But catty. But what? Oh, sorry. Catty. Catty. It can be catty. Very, very catty. catty. Very like. Nye, 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 like they yeah. got. They can have the the fluctuations in their voice. This is like traditionally range. speaking, like yeah. yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, catty. Um, bitchy. You know, bitchy. Not in the mood today. I want me, me, me. Little princess. A little stereotypical in the sense that when people think of your stereotypical gay, they're like, oh, queen. Like, yes, queen, fierce, the house boots down. Like, that's what they think of when they think of a traditional bottom. Um, now, with gender nonconformity, those, the gender roles are sort of thrown out and you can see it play through in the gay community because we already throw the gender roles out because we have two of the same gender roles so they can't be the same person but they can take on some of those gender norms. Mm-hmm. Like, you can have a masculine top, mm-hmm. we call it a blouse, or Uh-oh. a unicorn top. I like unicorns. Yeah, so, yeah, I love unicorns. Unicorns are everything. I love <gasps> unicorns. Unicorns. Um, mm. There's one thing I would want. It's not a pony. It's a unicorn. Uh, well, I like Australian now and then. You know, I'm So, the back to what? So that's a that's a feminine feminine bottom, and then a sorry a masculine bottom, mm-hmm. and then a feminine top. We tend to call a glitter top. Oh, gl- glitter top. Glitter top. Yes. Um, okay. That's just one of the words that gets tossed around is glitter top, and that's a feminine. Those are top. interesting. Um, I mean, that's those. Excuse me. That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's quite interesting these days. Just like it, it, it used to be very cut and dry. Walking down the street, looking at a couple, you could almost tell who was the top and who was the bottom. It'd be mm-hmm. like, again, breeders trying to guess who's the boy and who's the girl. Uh-huh. But nowadays, you just don't know. Like, I'm it could snake. be either or. They could be dressed like trade, like, given all the shade. And then when it comes to the sheets, like... The rolls are... 
we keeping it on them low Ds. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's keep it on them. Low. Um, or it can be a bossy bottom who... Bossy bottom. Yeah. I mean, for myself, I like to call myself Ooh. a unicorn top. Ooh. And a unicorn top is dance like a bottom, fuck like a top. So, while I present the physical features that you one can see with the naked eye mm-hmm. as a bottom, just because I have a... How should we deem this? Um, have several seats. Yes. <laughs> Some junk in the trunk. Have Some bad Yeah. So, most people would assume that I'm a bottom, but again, you know, assuming nowadays, I would say it's... Spoiler Better to assume than to just be quiet. Because if we don't get the conversation started, then we can't change the narratives as necessary. So. So another thing that we like to do in the gay world, just in general as part of the culture, is get the conversation started so that you can change the narrative as necessary. Swingers. Because it's always better to have the conversation than to not have the conversation. Because if you don't have the conversation, then you can never change the narrative and we're never gonna be on the same page. And look, we got a couple years to get all on the same page before we see what's really going down. So, when it comes, when it comes to changing the narrative, it's, it's really about having a dialogue between two people and going, having a back and forth in a very civil manner. So you can agree to disagree, you can agree to never agree, but have the conversation so people can see different viewpoints, or maybe your viewpoint could be from an unguided or an, unex- an inexperienced viewpoint. So it's like, oh, let me learn a little bit more about this, and then I'll understand why X, Y, Z, Y, you know, X, Y, Z. So it's like, always be open to having a narrative and the LGBT world, LGBTQ world is very much about the narrative because everything right now, the narrative is almost taking over the the community faster than we can adapt to it with gender nonconformity. Mm-hmm. And we've got, you know, people are just now coming to terms with gay people in general. I mean, we're looking at our first candidate openly gay candidate for president on Pete Mayor Buttigieg and we are just now we we have gay marriage pass and actually Trump's administration has made an initiative they haven't done much on the initiative to globally make being homosexual decriminalized mm. so that it's not a crime and you can't be punished mm-hmm. for it yeah um, so we're just now getting there and here we are jumping the the shark with new terms like he, she, it. Mm. And it is an actual term. Or using um, non-denominational pronouns like they, Mm. as opposed to he and she. Because it's all about gender nonconformity and looking outside of this binary world where everything is male or female. Mm. It's... Now it's male, female, and other. And pretty soon, across license plates, or sorry, across licenses across the different states, there's now going to be an other option 
for gender um, assignment. Hmm. And it's also, again, it's very important to have the narrative about it because there's gender assignment, there's um, gender preference, mm-hmm. and there are gender roles. Mm-hmm. And all three of them can be mm-hmm. very different. Your gender mm-hmm. assignment mm-hmm. could be male, like your gender preference mm-hmm. can be male, mm-hmm. and your gender role, role. can be female. Right. So you're the mother of the house, you're the caretaker, you're the uh-huh. one you know, who traditionally looks at and we and and there's a reason why traditional um, there's a reason why traditions and traditional heteronormative standards exist. It's to base other things off of. So, for example, in a gay relationship, while there may not be a mother and a father, there are still two figures present. Mm-hmm. And if they were to have a child or an offspring, then motherly and fatherly norms which is just a just a quirk or whatever is going to be embodied by each one of them whether it's a fatherly norm or motherly norm who knows because cleaning and cooking is not necessarily just a wife's job or a woman's job like you know this isn't the olden days where the men go and hunt and the women feed and cook like we can go into very different areas when it comes to talking about gender norms. Mm-hmm. And I mean, now they have pronouns like G, X-I-E. I've heard that, what's, what's, what is that? So it's just another form of saying he or she. It's like, but you're not conforming to the standards oh, the, of the binary male-female world. So there's so the, like roles. There's the roles, the roles, yeah. Okay. So there's G. There's, I mean, there are almost a million. I don't know how we're ever going to ah. quantify so, all of them. So we'll, we'll do. I you mean, think- people can call themselves a unicorn if they want to. Uh huh. And that's kind of where some critics of gender nonconformity step in because they say, well, where does it stop? Mm. Because we get into like- things like marriage. Traditional marriage is seen between a man and a woman in the eyes of the Lord, etc. Now we've got gay marriage. For all I cared, we didn't have to call it marriage. Right. It could have been called gay whatever. <laughs> like, and we would have still been happy. Yeah. Like, but now they're saying, okay, well, like, how do you define your love when with gender nonconformity? Because what what is it that you love about them when you take away the fact that they're masculine or feminine? Mm-hmm. So you strip that down, and then what do you what do you have left? What do you have left? And that and that's part of the gender nonconforming movement is for people to understand well what's left when you take out masculine and feminine because so much is defined mm-hmm. by masculine and feminine right. roles whether it's in the office place whether it's at home whether it's on the street you don't see um, uh, construction workers catcalling um, guys sometimes you do. Um, <laughs> it, it, sometimes do in a way I, in a way I feel like it's we're kind of it's like we're eating each other we're kind of taking pieces away you know mm-hmm. and ca- cannibalism yeah it's, like there's it's, cannibalism. It's, it, it's very cannibalistic in the sense that like it, we're all in the same food chain we're just called different things 
Nothing is any better or worse than the other. And that's what others need to try to understand when it comes to the non-conforming world, is that a lot of it is about equality on the ultimate level. So it's like, it's not masculine, it's not feminine, it's equal. And they're like, whether you're wearing pants or skirt, no, like it doesn't matter. It's not about adhering to these normative standards that, and the hard part is that's what makes them normative standards is they've been the norm for so long that it's hard for people to break out of that tradition and see people like Billy Porter come to, you know, the Met Gala and absolutely turn it looking like Cleopatra yeah. mother has arrived. Okay. Category is tell a mother has arrived. <laughs> right. Phoenix rising. Um, and you see um, uh, a lot of guys like Willow Smith um, identify as non-conforming. Um, Janelle Monet identifies as pansexual. Mm -hmm. And a lot of creativity is being spawned from people letting themselves... Liberating. Liberating themselves. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Liberating themselves from these standards because there's so much pressure put on themselves. Like... For example, some people say, oh, it's hard to be a white man in society. And for POCs, which for those of you who don't know, POC stands for person of color. For POCs, we can laugh at that and say, it's the easiest thing to be a man, to be a white man in America. However, look at it from this perspective. Let's put a little shade on the matter. Um, okay. okay. Um, time to sit. So, when, you, when you're the white man, heterosexual in America, there are a lot of things that you have to uphold. You have to be masculine. This is where toxic masculinity comes from. You have to be the breadwinner because when you get married and when you, when you take on kids, you're the leader of the family. Control. So you have to have control. And these are just things that men are taught through toxic masculine ways that they have to be when they're masculine. Imagine all that weight on your shoulders. And, and these frail little things I call shoulders. I don't know why. That's <laughs> hilarious. Um, and then you flip it around and you say to mother, she's got just as much weight on her shoulders because she's responsible for shaping the future of the children. What you said about my son? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and so she's got a lot, one can argue that the feminine role has a lot of weight on its shoulders as well. Now, when we start going into this role of non-conformity, we have to remember that just because we're taking the label of masculine and feminine off of the roles, doesn't mean that we're getting rid of the roles. Because I actually take pride in, and this is where I'm a traditional by nature, I'm a traditionalist by nature, is I take pride in traditional roles. I don't necessarily take pride in them having to be filled by a certain gender, but I take pride in a father figure or a mother figure. Bad cop, good cop, bad cop, bad cop, good cop, depending on what your dynamic was. What was who was who was good cop, who was bad cop in your family? Uh, with mom and dad. Mom and dad? Um 
They were crooks. <laughs> they were crooked cops. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's hard to just hate it because um, actually the cops took my dad away when I was young. So I didn't really have much time with him. So I couldn't see who was good, who was bad. But I would think that... Um, well, who, played, who, who played good cop, bad cop? Like, who did you, who oh, you, mean you like, get away with? Oh, get away, get away okay. with. Okay, bad cop, uh, bad cop mom, good cop dad. Oh, wow. That's interesting because a lot of times... That's what they reverse. wanted to paint it to be. However, the roles will switch when, you know, he's dealing with yeah. alcoholism. Right. So they, that's... Uh, you know, and this is so another thing that it it's not causation, I wouldn't say, but it, it, there is something. I don't know if it, I don't want to say it's tied to it, but there's something interesting about the the upbringings of the LGBT youth mm. because for so many of us, we have to hide in our own shadow for so long mm-hmm. that it's like. We miss mm-hmm. our own childhoods mm-hmm. because so much of it is spent in this closet, proverbial closet mm-hmm. or ex- existential closet, that we don't get to experience life. And that's why you see things like what we like to call circuit queens or the Peter Pan syndrome, where you've got older gentlemen who are living out younger lives, uh-huh. just like age nonconformists. You know, I just feel like in, in all that we're talking about, I just I just re- reorganized my closet. You know what I'm saying? Right. I I got a closet. You know, you you take all Through these old things. Condo. <laughs> you take all these old clothes. You want to, you just you you tired of wearing these things. You worn them out, and you just want a fresh start. Mm-hmm. So you you know you get your new gear on. You put your stuff to, and it, it kind of represents you, a new you. So that's kind of like I feel like with um, what we're talking about. The, the I mean the nonconformity like yeah. it's it, it is getting a it's getting a fresh start yeah. and a new look right. from a different perspective. But having the opportunity now to to be able to to do that and and it being a, okay. a topic of conversation mm-hmm. and going back to the your point of you know it, the importance of narrative and how we mm-hmm. um, can change the narrative as change. necessary. Right now, America is changing its narrative on gender and gender roles right um and not only are we changing the narrative i mean the conversation altogether is is soon to be changing um and we may even see it as soon as the royal family revamp your closet that's what i'm revamp revamping closet yes. not organizing revamp because organ it could be chaos organized chaos up in here but it's still revamped okay do you know maria kondo maria kondo the she better work for she Asian better work life, her. honey. Oh. She, I saw that show and I was like, okay, the book must be yeah. better because <laughs> show. I'm just mean, like, she walks in, she says a couple words, and then they mm-hmm. clean their house, and I'm like, so, I don't get it. Like, right. she didn't, she didn't say anything about something making you feel joy or making you feel happy. <laughs> so I must, I have to get the book on this one because I have to admit, I was behind the curve on, I, I was behind the shark. But I did finally listen to that song, Baby Shark. Okay. Have you heard the song, Baby Shark? I have not. Um, it was a viral meme for a very short period of time. It's like, Baby Shark, 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 Baby Shark. It's, it's an interesting song. I would say to bring it up, um, we can bring it up a little bit later. But it's, it's a very funny like song that just went viral and the kids loved it. 
and so that's where the parents well i'm gonna go it. change my sweater into a nice t-shirt because it's getting hot in here and we will be right back and now to get back to the real tea we will be talking about feminine masculine dominant sub and kink culture and while we're on the subject of kink culture, the reason it's very important is because the acronym that currently defines the queer community is LGBTQ. And they're thinking about adding a K to that for kink. Mm. Now, my only issue, and you can rein in on how you feel, um, once again, we are here with Black Forest um, on the ones and twos, um, sipping tea. Boom! The tea's ready. Um, so kink for me is more like a combination, as we had stated in a previous conversation, and you brought up... Um, so intelligently, I might add. It is like a trait or a combination of the different worlds. Because you can be a, L, a lesbian kink, you can be a gay kink, you can be a bi kink, you can be a transgendered kink, you can be a queer kink. But I don't know that it in and of itself represents the embodiment of a vessel. Mm. Whereas LGBTQ, lesbian, gay, transgendered, bi, queer, those are embodiments of a vessel. Mm. Whereas kink, I think, while a lot would argue is more than just sexual, a sexual gravitas, they would argue that it's a mindset. They would argue that it's its own culture and its own realm of being. I would say it's its own community, but I wouldn't go as far as saying it's its own culture. Does that make sense? That makes sense. That makes sense. Because for, and maybe it's just because I don't know enough about it, but I think it doesn't quite reach that bar of can you, like if somebody were to call you kink, what what would that mean? What would that mean to you? Like uh, the same way that somebody can call you lesbian, gay, right. bisexual, okay. transgender, queer, or kink. Kink. Like, I can, I can see what being called lesbian, I can see being called gay, bisexual, and transgendered, and queer, but when you call someone kink, like, it's almost like you have to call them kinky. Right, but see, I, I feel like if you called me kink, I personally would feel like I was freaky all the time, was having, like... A lot of sex. A lot of sex. I'm sex, sexually driven. Like that, I'm just always about it, and and like it just that's my that's me. That's it. Right. That's all I am. Right. And what people in the kink world want people to understand is that it's more than just sex. Um, a, there's a dom and sub come into play in the kink world very heavily because that's that's where dom and sub come from like the dominant subcultures sub, sub come from the kink world. So dominant being the assertive aggressor, 
but that doesn't mean that they have to do it from the top, for example. You can be on the leash and still pulling it too. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, the same goes for the reverse. Just because you're a sub, now, while generally it means submissive and you're very, you're very, like, you, you're in a state of mind where you always want to please the other person. And that's where the subculture comes from. So some will say they'll do whatever it takes. And that's where we get into a lot of kink play because it, for some people it takes very specific things like, you know, licking powdered sugar off of someone's toe. Mm-hmm. Could be a kink mm-hmm. or a fetish. And that's another thing too is the kink world in some ways, shapes and forms is just a combination of all of the fetishes put together. Mm-hmm. Like for example, some people have an armpit fetish. Yeah. I'll admit it, I have an armpit fetish <laughs> every now and again. And it's not like a, like I want it to, you know, smell like you haven't showered in days. Sometimes it just likes to smell like a man. It smelled like a man. Oh, what about a woman? Um, or like a woman, but it's not my preference. I mean, but what, I mean, sometimes. What? How can you tell if I blindfolded you and put you through? Uh, had you smell armpits? Very true. Three, four armpits. Tell me which one was a man, which one was a woman. It's very true. With especially. Don't we all sweat? We all sweat. Um, but I can. I feel like testosterone has a smell and estrogen. Oh well, that's 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 because your nose is. Uh, you know, you, have, very, you have a good nose. Yeah, I have a very sensitive nose palate. Um, I'm going, but it is a good question because it does it does bring in a question how the heteronormative standards come into play with male and female gender roles because when you're in the kink world, especially between two guys, it's almost like femininity is out the window and so is masculinity. There, there, there is no feminine, masculine. So it's just like, dom and sub, right? Yeah, it's like dom and sub. Right. And there, there's no masculine or feminine. It's mm-hmm. just dom and sub and power, power yeah, and, power. and control. And the biggest thing is control because sometimes they can get into some things that would otherwise be deemed dangerous, i.e., you know, do not try this at home or do not try this by yourself or do not try this unaccompanied because mm-hmm. like for example latex and leather fetishes when people get into latex suits it can be dangerous you can suffocate those mm-hmm. um but that's also interesting limits right so right how how far you know how far one one can can go in mm-hmm. their let's say category or in their world so like how far you would go in, as a, as a sub or a dom, uh-huh. or exactly like, and there's always a safe word because there are times where it's not about the safe word. It's called the safe word for a reason. It's not just about safety, physical, um, spiritual, and mindful safety. It's also sorry. It's not just about a physical safety. It's about a spiritual and mindful safety as well because. If you are going, being pulled too far in one direction, you can say the safe word because that's no longer in your realm of being. 
like for example, let's say, and I go, I go back to a very basic example of a leash. Like the dom is holding the leash and the sub is leashed. And if you pull too hard, that could hurt them. I feel now like some of them like a level of pain and some of them don't like a level of pain. So that's where you've got to get that balance of control that you were talking about um, in there because you, and you, and it's, it's, sometimes it's hard to know. It's just a feeling that you get, but you have to know. But in that, in, while that is an example of the physical aspect of it, look at the emotional aspect of it and saying like, all right, if they're pulling so hard that it's hurting me, are they not taking into account my emotions in uh -huh. the situation? And is that coming off as like, like going back to, is it a, what role am I playing now? Yeah, exactly. And then you, it's hard to be in a submissive role and to rein in the dominant right because traditionally you're playing the opposite role right so and sometimes you really do because you know you don't want to get choked too hard or or if choking is a thing you don't want to get choked to death um and there there are special ways of doing things like for example like when you when you're choking someone the palms of your hands and i i learned this from a professional dog like mm -hmm. he was actually teaching. And I was like, you guys should actually teach this as like sex ed courses. Right. Like you don't ever choke over the um, the uh, Adam's apple and mm -hmm. the esophagus. You actually choke on the sides. So that there's still a, a so pathway of air. Yeah, so that there's still a pathway of air. And like the same thing, for example, with like hair pulling. So for example, you don't grab somebody's hair and pull like that. You palm their head and then you grab the hair, and then now you have all of the, you see how that is very different than like- Right, like very it's, specific. It's yeah. not supposed to yeah. hurt, and those are parts of understanding where limits- Stage combat. In. Basically it is, and, that, and understanding limits and where limits come into play, and the kink, and um, specifically the dominant sub, the dom-sub world. Um, now, as far as fetishes go, it's, I just find them fascinating because, I mean, what are some of the craziest fetishes that people have sort of expressed to you in real life? In real life, um, I mean, the I've been called vanilla. Craziest. I've been called vanilla by many a uh, kinksters because, uh -huh. like, and at first I took offense to it. I was like, vanilla, who you calling vanilla? I know what it means to be kinky. Like, oh shoot, let's get freaky y'all. And then they're like, they walk out in a ball gag and a full leather suit and have a cat of nine tails in their hand. And I'm like, oh, that's what you have meant by getting kinky. Oh. Okay. So that was my first experience with kink. It was like, Oh, like, I just thought kinky was just kind of like, like, um, a little, like, dirty, but not dirty, like, dirt dirty, like, a little, like, risque, but people can get into some pretty, like, everything from nipple clamps to water sports uh -huh. to... Speaking of water sports, my first experience being tied up professionally ropes. by, by rope with ropes um, was on my birthday and I knew what I was walking into 
um, not, it wasn't like, uh, anyway, I, <laughs> I knew what I was walking into because I knew the, the, I knew, I knew what community I was, walking, that's what I meant, yeah. what, what community I was, uh, who I was surrounding myself with, mm -hmm. and be, but I wanted to be there, I chose to be there, yeah. and I wanted to be tied up, yeah. and I just wanted that experience, mm -hmm. and, um, and how was it, was it, I mean, because ropes, ropes are always fun, I'm far too claustrophobic, and controlling, I think, to ever be tied up, but it would be an interesting, um, experiment on release for me like being tied up because i am a control freak so i feel like a lot of times kinks and fetishes come out of what you're afraid of ends up being what tantalizes you the most mm. because you haven't experienced it mm. if you're a control freak who doesn't like to be held down or in any way constricted then the chances are the number of times you've ever been tied up and felt pleasure from it are zero or slim to none. You see what I'm saying? That's interesting because that's that's exactly what I was going. Like, I feel like I, I wanted to be because I'm such a free. Like I feel like I'm so free and I'm just right. always kind of just like in my personality. I'm very sociable. Like I'm, I'm out there talking to free people. Spirit, free free spirit. Yeah, free, free, free. Mm -hmm. Not all free. But, <laughs> but um, oh, yeah, I could teach you, but yeah, I have you know, to charge. charge. You know. But you I know. do take debit, <laughs> but I don't take MetroCard. You know. Um, so it was so you got professionally tied up and, yeah, got, and then the you know the the, uh, the doms there they were, the the doms there were like okay well you know give him a little sample of what you know is his birthday that it was yeah. me driving the narrative yeah telling them that no this is what I want you to do taking yeah. that precision and then when 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 the dom realized that I was actually coming for it he said okay you know. I'm gonna. Oh, you want to learn? Let's do it. Right. Boom, and starts to tie it's me up teaching. and teaching. And so I'm like, oh, and I'm and I'm genuinely interested. I'm in, and I'm into it. And as he was going through it, and you know, doing these loops and things, and and it the just the art, yeah. the art of it. Like when I looked back, and I and I, I just I loved it. I mean, yeah. I loved it till it got to a point where the rope was too far up my ass, mm. and when pulled my nuts were being pulled uh, too much yeah that he i did mention he you know that's a little bit too much yeah you know if you could just back it up and there was this kind of uh, that's where that's where it became now now i started to see where that so it, for me that's the dynamic and so that for me was the first time I ever got it for real, for real. Yeah. Because I didn't know who this person is. Like mm -hmm. I didn't know who that would personally right. on a personal level didn't know. Him. Right. But I knew that I wanted to be submissive. Mm -hmm. I was allowing him to, to to dominate me. I was okay with whatever he was willing to like to do to me. But I had to fight for that little space mm -hmm. of like. Right. And and sometimes it's hard because like again either without setting up safe word beforehand or without knowing each other too well it's hard to know like what is pushing the limit and then what is beyond oh, i'm so the free limit. there was no safe word like i just <laughs> went into it like balls to the wall yeah no yeah so then so then in those cases yeah you can get pushed to a point where it's like you're really like literally stretching your limits <laughs> your balls and like your holes yeah um but so I mean, that's so that must was it liberating for you? It was it was liberating. Experience? It was liberating for me, and I think 
when they saw how dedicated, how committed I was to it, mm-hmm. um, when you know I was told to like, well, I was forced on the ground, mm-hmm. and I said I was thirsty, I needed something to drink, mm-hmm. and so then um, another dom said, well, feed, give him some water, but in that bowl. So I like okay. you know, so and I and I I, I smiled, I liked it, <laughs> and and I looked I looked at him, and I went into the bowl, and not only. I didn't just lick it. I so quick. Yeah. That you know, it was just like for me that was me taking control of that. Right. But that's all I had control over. Right. And that's and that's good. And that and it's also too. It's it's natural it's like, for yeah. your primal instincts yeah. to take over because like in a lot of situations like but I in the kink and dom world, like water is necessary because we're it's usually in close quarters so it's not free and open space there's a lot of heavy air mm-hmm. and like water in and hydration is always necessary because that's usually the number one cause of failure um, is lack of hydration or lack of aeration mm. so you're either not getting enough air or not getting enough water it's it's, it's le- like there's circulation of, of, of any kind I mean. Um, so, because you don't want to cut off any of those circulations to any of the places um, necessarily. Okay. Um, so, so that's interesting. So you've so you've experienced what it's like. You've experienced what we call rope culture. Mm-hmm. Um, How I got out of it was interesting too. Oh. Okay. The the head the head mm-hmm. of the house. The alpha. The alpha. Mm-hmm. Basically, I want to say barked, but not barked, but okay. It, I mean, it usually he said, is. Enough. It usually is. He said, no, he bark. said, enough. Mm-hmm. And the it just released. The energy shifted. It became this. And he started to untie me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Undo me in a way that was respectful. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like, oh, I'm so mad that I didn't get it. Yeah. yeah you know, it wasn't, there wasn't that like, oh, because. Yeah. But then, but then even our relation, our, our our relationship changed where it was like he kind of ignored me, almost like oh. <laughs> yeah, like it was like him being the one who tied me, not not the, yeah. not the alpha. And um, do you remember what color the rope was? Black. Black. Okay. Cool. Um, I've seen like, I mean, I've seen all types of of ropes and knots. Um, black and red are the predominant ones. Red's like my favorite color. Red and blue are my favorite colors. Um, so purple, ergo, is also my favorite color. Uh-huh. Um, but that's, that's interesting. Um, yeah. And, and, and it is, it probably was very much like a primordial bark because it is like alpha male. Well, society, I had a sheet over just, my head so I couldn't see. Uh, I, had a, I had a pillowcase over my head. Okay. And then rope tied around it and then the bowl of water, the second... A bowl of water mm-hmm. dumped on top of my head. Okay, interesting. So it's like so I was waterboarding. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like waterboarding, but it's I mean it's interesting to see how these kinks and these fetishes, like to some extent, can be seen. Just like for example, even in in the drug subculture, you know when when the gays do the drug G, that's traditionally seen as the date rape drug. Yet the gays do it casually for recreation. And same goes for southern kink culture, where something that would be otherwise seen as torture or 
um, lack of, let's say, respect for a body or a human being mm -hmm. is actually what you're going yeah, for. Medicine yeah. is like that too, right? Yeah, medicine, is, medicine can be the same way as well. Um, you know, like, especially with the oxycodone and um, the opioid epidemic, mm -hmm. it's like people are literally numbing their feelings away. Mm -hmm. And they're taking so many pills just to not feel anything. So it's like you do all of that to not feel anything. Seems counterproductive, seems counterintuitive, but, um, you know, back to the kink and subcult, a dominant subculture, you know, being mm -hmm. waterboarded, for example, having, mm -hmm. having that loss of control while knowing you're in controlled hands. And that's important, is knowing that you're in controlled hands. Right. Because people can get crazy. Right. And it's like if they don't know what they're doing, one slip not away and uh -huh. like you're choking and it is not a good thing. Had I not been right. invited into that house by the outfit, yeah. I would have not put myself in that position. Mm -hmm. And I, rightfully so, you know. I wouldn't blame you. Yeah. Um, so is that, an, is that an experience that you think that you found exciting enough to want to explore more of and go back to absolutely and that's absolutely without a doubt i wouldn't think twice however i would probably of course ask permission because <laughs> i do like it um but you know i do like the role too of playing the dominant you yeah. know i've done it i've done it like with ex-boyfriends and and ex-partners of mine like um, both male and female uh, playing the dominant role and then uh, there's so many stories I could tell you but I'm not gonna cover it on this podcast but um yeah just like you know uh, yeah absolutely without even a doubt I would and that's a lot of people say that about the kick and stuff I mean I find it fascinating just but, how much you can learn from it and it's like how much you can learn not only about what is for you but about what is it for, for you, you right and what is for other and i people. think that's what that's what it that's what it was about too right and so then i think that that's what i was going back to my point was having that conversation with the alpha at the beginning hey this is what i'm about this is what i want to get to know a little bit more help me get there or like yeah. you know what i'm saying setting the grounds you know what i'm saying right before and i don't even know i don't know the world like that you know i'm not involved like you say yourself like that yeah setting the grounds yeah you know but um yeah i just you know what it's interesting i keep thinking about the this image in my mind of like you say kink being uh, k being added to the lgbtqk mm -hmm. and just the the idea of a leash right and so how kink is actually like putting a leash on these other letters yeah. and kind of tying it to it. I wouldn't, it I wouldn't be surprised of seeing visual territories where the K has a little leash light cuff. Uh, that's exactly, but that's, that's what's popping into my head. The L. <laughs> yeah. See that? Um, I can see that for sure. Um, and and there's a certain fascination, fascination and excitement about that world that, you know, the fact that it does take away masculine and feminine mm. attributes. So you get out of this heteronormative society, like in mindset, like maybe, maybe it does warrant having its own letter in the acronym because you can embody like kink as a culture as opposed to it just being a community. Because for me, the difference is a community is a is a small subset 
of within society. Mm-hmm. It's a, is a community, whereas a culture are multiple small subsets of society that while they're not connected directly, they just how interconnected. How they how they yes. do it. They do it differently. The interconnections mm-hmm. between them. It's like interconnecting different communities with underground tunnels or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's not for everybody, that's for sure. But the thing is, is people when when people say it's not for everybody, it's because they don't know what all it includes. Mm-hmm. Because technically, it is for everybody. There's because something even in there vanilla, for everybody. even yeah. what's called vanilla, where you you're not into anything other than just straight up sex in the traditional sense. Um, you know, whether it's between a guy and a girl, or a guy and a guy and a girl and a girl, but like it's just like you know the what what you see on TV, um, maybe what you see in normal porn, but for some like vanilla is like just considered like plain Jane. So yeah, that is for everybody because even if you're not into it, you still have a classification in it, mm-hmm. and it's 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 a world. That so it's a starting point. It's a, yeah, exactly. It's a starting point. It's a conversation starter, and the narrative is as you direct it. Bam! Bam! Mic drop. Boom! The tea's been served, children. <laughs> Speaking of tea. After these messages, we will be right back. Yes, Henny, and we're black. Oh, just kidding. We're back. Um, wait, we got get the tea. five seconds. Here we go. Two, three, are. That tea is piping hot. Bam. So, we were just about to discuss um, how we went from a black and white society to the gray area. And the gray area, I think, is kind of like the scale for everything it's like nothing we're leaving like the I forgot that that was something we're leaving the binary world and we're entering a world where things aren't binary and what people don't realize is that a lot of our world is based off of binary the entire computer world is based off of binary zero and one it's it's there are two options, zero or one, that's coding language. And when things become non-binary is when you have this gray area that is very, very, very hard to define. And that can be like the Kimsey scale for sexuality. When you're not gay or straight, you're somewhere, you're somewhere- You're messy. (laughs) You're somewhere on the scale and- Or considered messy on that scale. Right? Like from, there's a fine line between alcoholic and someone who likes alcohol um, versus someone who's sober. And there's it's a gray scale and a fine line. And the gray scales and fine lines, I feel like should be its own segment, book, what have you, called Gray Scales and Fine Lines. Because maybe that'll be the title hey. of my, my first book. Bam! Write it down. You heard it here first. Noted. This is copyrighted. Don't get it twisted. Don't get it. She don't already have hers. Yeah, she don't already had hers. But I haven't. (laughs) Grayscales and fine lines, and that's what it's going to boil down to. Um, Cheers to that. Cheers to that. We are drinking 
Um, blueberry, blueberry, blue, mimosas, BBC, blueberry champagne, champagne. blueberry C. Mm-hmm. I see what you did there. Okay. I see what you did there. She's coming full circle. She's coming full cycles. Mm-hmm. Um, she's not spinning. She is turning it. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. So no. now we're gonna let's get into it. Some things on. Um, the political scale of the gay subculture because for the first time in history we have an openly gay candidate running for the democratic office yes queen 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 so for the first time we can have a gay president and instead of a first lady we have the first man now Bill Clinton had his opportunity at becoming the first first man, but now it is Pete Buttigieg's wife, uh, husband. Um, I believe his name is Tim. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think I am, but I believe his name is Tim. And we'll call him Tim for we'll now. We'll call him Tim for now. But Pete's running on, well, he hasn't released a lot of his platform, but he wants people to understand the values of what he stands for first. And it's very interesting because in Bible politics, as we like to call it these days, the right is usually ruled by the word of the Lord. And Mike Pence, the current sitting vice president, has had a quarrel and a few tete-a-tetes with Pete about his sexuality Mm -hmm. because Pete is openly gay. And he's basically saying, Mike Pence is basically saying, you know, how do you come to terms with your creator? And Pete basically said, your issues aren't with me, they're with my creator. Damn! Damn. And I was like, I've never heard such a politically correct response that said everything without saying anything at all. Shit. Like, we have the same creator. So it's like, Uh, and go from there. uh, Yeah, like, it's like, no, 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 honey, don't drop that mic. It's too expensive. Oh, okay. Um, we got to recycle around here, and those crystals are Swarovskis, okay? All right. All right. Um, but it's it, it'll be very interesting because we, after Obama, we elected the first black president, and we broke what we thought were racial barriers. Mm. And what we actually did was unlocked the racial tension in America, mm. which we then saw the Trump administration come in Mm -hmm. after the Obama administration as sort of... Piggyback. Not a reprimand, but it was was a representation Mm -hmm. of where America actually is. And to have people talk so much about the vote being so close it was, she won the popular vote by 3 million votes. Now, while that is a lot of votes, also realize that only roughly 120 million, 125 million people voted of the 300 million in the United States. So half the population didn't even vote. And we're talking about a difference of 300 million. 300 or 3 million more votes his direction and he would have won the popular vote too. He won five states by 70,000 votes or less. Mm -hmm. And 
we're talking the semantics of like how whether he should have won or shouldn't have won but for all intents and purposes like he sort of laid the hammer down mm -hmm. on something that we never expected mm -hmm. so coming off the back of that mm -hmm. will we see sort of so I swear I was gonna say referendum so we're finding ourselves in a position where could we potentially potentially, potentially usher in the first gay president I love how you said as, usher in right um, clock 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 the hair clock, clock the, the mug, mug. <laughs> <laughs> yes um, queen um as a referendum on the current administration. Because if a, if the Trump administration was a referendum on the Obama administration, mm -hmm. then could the Buttigieg administration be the referendum on the Trump administration in a way of the voters saying, okay, look, we didn't realize that we were still in this state of racism. And we it's not just the Deep South. And it's not just the uneducated voters. We're talking educated white female and male voters. And now, are they educated enough to see the difference? And we saw in the midterm elections, it swing blue um, for the most part, especially the House, because we were flipping those young, educated voters. And the referendum that we're going to put on the Trump administration is hopefully an emphatic one. Because hmm. Not only should we usher in someone that's going to make a statement and lead this country, but they should be able to do it from a standpoint that I don't think I would have ever thought possible or my children would have ever thought possible, which is why Pete Buttigieg has become the darling of American politics right now. He is the one that everyone's talking about, the, the name that nobody knew that they now know. Mm -hmm. And most people don't know how to spell it or pronounce it. It's Buttigieg, and it's B-U-T-T-I-G-I-E-G. -E we call him Mayor Pete. Okay. Hashtag Mayor Pete. Hashtag Mayor Pete. Mayor Pete. And he is very wholesome, very, like, down-to-earth. <laughs> like, he can speak to robots. He speaks seven different languages, including American Sign Language. Mm. Like, he is... What a dream. Everything. He's dream. Right? Like, he's everything you could want and, and a leader of the free world. Oh, I know. I think it would like because we've already come so far in LGBT rights, you it's almost like the country is ready for it because the most recent polls have shown that more than 60% of Americans polled said that they would be comfortable with a gay president. Now, that I think was in context of a gay male president. I'm not sure about a gay female president, which is what we would have had with Hillary Clinton. What? Oh! Wait, hold up! She done already done that, her. The tea's been served, bitch! <laughs> um, but, so that's interesting to see because it's like, okay, let's bring that in and make sure that all of the LGBT laws get straightened out and then let's attack, let's, Let's tackle issues that shouldn't need laws. For example, race. I mean, we've race has gone back as far as 
you know, the day is long, and, and yet we're at a point where people are still using the N-word and still being divisive and using this divisive rhetoric to spew their hate speech. And it's like, but it doesn't you, stick. That doesn't stick. But, I mean, I'm but it, but it, ha- but it, but it's it so for an election. It's oh, so oh. for an election, and, and it impact, and it's oh, impacted yeah, a generation. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like because yeah. that's, I mean, yeah, you know, MAGA and Make America Great Again was largely. So how would you feel about the first gay president, openly gay president? Well, I, first thing I want to change is the national anthem. That's what I would say. <laughs> And how would you change it? Oh, see how gay! No, something like that. No. <laughs> That's hilarious. Or something like uh, that. You know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I don't really, well, I can write it. You know what I'm saying? But, um, yeah, I would definitely change that. And, but, you know, I, I would see it as, I would see it as, uh, like, just a, a way to go. Because I'm gay. How do you like me? It'd be very progressive of the United States to be leading with... Uh, I just want to know that one represents me too. Mm-hmm. And you he know? also... And that's me the, too. And that's, that's one of the things that um, Pete Buttigieg does represent is he's he's a mayor from South Bend, Indiana, and he a mayor is as close to the people as just about any elected official can be because you are sort of an... The mayoral candidates are for the people, by the people type of ride or die. Mm-hmm. And your constituency is everything to you. And so he's just another one of us. He's not part of the establishment like a Joe Biden or a Bernie Sanders who have the name recognition and have the, the backing of the establishment. And when we say the establishment, we mean the, the DNC, which is the... Um, Democratic National Convention. So it's like they're basically it's like going to prom and it's like, well, you know, this is who the odds on prom king are and this is who the odds on prom queen are. And it's like, well, these are the outside candidates who are the anti-establishment and they're coming in to say, like, we have a voice. And much like what Trump did and people, this is where they don't give him enough credit for. He's a brand like as someone who does branding, he's a master brander. Can I? A brand won presidency. Not when Obama won, an individual won the presidency. When Trump won, a brand won the presidency. Go ahead. I just want to tell you how I won prom king position. <laughs> you don't like this, and y'all won't love this that? one. I sold myself to everyone. <laughs> I basically went around to everybody and I said, I voted for you, vote for me. 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 Because it was the, the way that it was, it was set up where everyone puts, whoever you want, put the name in the hat. And then whoever, the, the, the it was the popular vote. Mm-hmm. It was a popular vote. And because I was able to go, and I'm admitting this now, I know my, my bad, I cheated. I cheated, I cheated, I'm a crook. Whatever. But you're a prom king? But I will turn out to be prom king. <laughs> yep. Work. I mean, you know what? It's politics. And sometimes, like, you just have to curry your constituents in the right favor. And, you know, if, if it's saying that you believe in them individually, you know, think about a president. How many things do they have to be able to not only just believe in, or not believe in, but just understand. Because how many people do they have to represent, you know, in this nation? 
And this is a nation built on the backs of immigrants. Mm -hmm. So when people get all up in arms about immigration, and I think immigration is a very key policy, but I believe there is a difference between legal immigration and illegal immigration. And Pete is on the same wavelength with that. Whereas mm -hmm. while we need to clean up the process at the border, mm -hmm. like there's a very big difference between legal and illegal. And illegal immigration shouldn't shouldn't be acceptable by any means or or matter. But what's more important is while we're sitting here wondering why people are fleeing their countries so vehemently to get into ours, so much as to crawl in between a rock and a hard place and a barbed wire fence, literally, literally to get over here, it's like. What's really going on down there? And is that something that we've asked ourselves? What's really going on? There's down a drought. There? <laughs> we, we, um, go ahead. No, no, I'm we, saying we, we, we spend so much time involved in wars overseas that don't matter, that, that we have no business being in, yet we can't even look to the south and see what's going on. Venezuela is about to implode, especially with their new leader, Bolsonaro. Like, he is the most bigoted racist person that like outwardly and it, it's like we need to see what it is they're running away from to see if that's something that we can repair because while we are built on the backs of immigrants we need to make sure that we can we can accept them and bring them in and still be the land of the free the home of the brave and be proud of the american dream because right now it's looking a little bit more like an american nightmare and people are saying more and more like what is the american dream because it no longer is that the american dream is what being saddled with college debt like the gig economy um they talk about um unemployment numbers going down and we're like and one thing that um representative alexandria Asasio cortez mentioned is that a part of those numbers going down in unemployment is because people are taking on two and three jobs. So that's why the unemployment make numbers that rant, are okay. Um, and you know, we've got the gig economy where you, you know, you basically are living from gig to gig to gig to gig. And you, you know, you don't 50% of Americans cannot pay an immediate expense of $500 or more out of their current pocket. 50% of Americans. That's because they don't know how to work. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's that's astonishing, right? Right. Like, it, and, and just as many, if not more, are living paycheck to paycheck. Right. And that is why right now, Trump's approval rating, while it's at an all-time high of 46%, it's not that high, even though the economy is quote-unquote booming. Because why? That boom is not being felt by you and I, the average Joe, the average American. It's being felt by the wealthy. And those tax breaks sure as hell didn't help. The average tax, the average tax return went down. Now, for some people, what they need to know is that how big your tax return is isn't isn't a reflection on on 
isn't a bar shouldn't be a barometer of anything uh -huh. because in actuality your taxes should be as close to zero as possible because mm -hmm. that meant you were taking you're you're only saving as much as you needed to and it's like people think having a big tax return is, is great and it's like well Whoa. i mean it's better uh, uh, you know true economics a dollar and a half today is worth more than a dollar and a half tomorrow so you would rather have that money that you know four thousand dollars broken up over the course of the year quarterly tests right brought back to you yeah brought back to you as opposed to like just getting it back in one lump sum and then going out and spending it frivolously because that's what people usually end up doing but anyway not not today not today satan not today not today satan um so hopefully i think pete mayor pete hashtag mayor pete um pete Buttigieg, 2020 for president and if not him then my friend andrew yang yang 2020 for president i've known him for 14 years all right can now. you believe that 14 so, years 14 years um we i went to his wedding um i planned his honeymoon like oh. this is andrew yang like he's an actual presidential candidate um nice. and he's running on a platform of universal basic income and, and for those who don't know, what is that? Universal basic income means that you, that every American, just for being American, gets what's called the freedom dividend. And the freedom dividend is so a thousand dollars a month, free and clear, just because you're American. Uh, where does that check come to? Because I don't live there no more. <laughs> well, if he's if he's becomes oh 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 okay, if he becomes president, right. then. That's, you got my brow already lifted. Right? And and for people who don't know and who've never experienced like the welfare system, etc., like a thousand dollars a month is more than you get in all that stuff combined. Aww. And the amount of work that goes into the amount of work, effort, and waste and loss that goes into the welfare system, that can be gotten rid of in place of the American Freedom Dividend. And there's everyone's always asking, you know, Democrats put forth all these radical socialist ideas without knowing how to pay for them mm -hmm. he's actually got a plan to pay for them and to see detailed mm -hmm. um versions of that plan you can go to yang y-a-n-g 2020.com but the gist of it is by taxing so our economy um is a labor economy the thing about labor is is anything we can do a robot can do better for the most part there are some industries that are immune, but for the most part, most industries aren't. And when artificial intelligence takes over, and this is what he's talking about and why I like him, because he's looking towards the future. Mm -hmm. He's saying when artificial, artificial intelligence have already replaced 20% of jobs. Mm -hmm. By the year 20 something something, I don't know what it is, they'll have replaced 40% of the jobs. Retail is going to be gone. Replaced oh, it's, by artificial, it's, already artificial, gone. it's already gone. Replaced by artificial intelligence. Service industry, same thing. Like, you know, McDonald's with the the, the automatic kiosks. Like, these types of things, yeah. once but they the, come in play. But that's why we, human he wants to tax... He wants to tax those who benefit the most from artificial intelligence. And it's left broadly scoped like that because yeah. the amount of money they're gonna be making, that's like Google or Amazon. Amazon made $11 billion and paid nothing in taxes. Mm -hmm. So what? it's like, and they benefit the most from artificial intelligence. So all of that tax would go to um, the freedom dividend. Mm. And the freedom dividend would be great to help the struggling economy. No, it's not something to live off of, but an extra $1,000 in your pocket every month? Okay, 
Like, I, mean, I know what to do, and people are going. They're not gonna. They're not gonna stash it away and save it. That's like the spending threshold. That's that's money that you need to spend to pay bills. It gives you that to, to re to revive your local communities and your local economies, and as a whole, revive the global economy. Okay, what's the guarantee that someone's gonna go and spend that money on something in their community? I mean, there isn't, but that's, I mean, the point is, is that it, it'll, give, it's an it'll give people who want to start businesses yeah. the option to start businesses. Mm-hmm. It'll give women, a lot of times women are stuck in relationships because they're, 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 they're monetarily they're, they, they can't afford that. that ticket out. Yeah. And this would be a way for them to be able to do that and to, to do it in a Have a little way. bit more power in that in that household yeah and the dynamic so in the dynamic of that because they, they have to change the dynamic yeah. so the universal basic income and the funny thing is is i believe it was richard nixon who actually first introduced it um which is ironic but um because he was not a socialist or well it's neither here nor there but andrew like if there were if i didn't know him any better personally i could not say that even if i didn't know what his policies were there couldn't be a better person running for president in terms of morals, principles, guidance. He is more than LGBT friendly. He's pro LGBT. He's pro um, equal rights. He's pro equal pay um, and basically breaking down the inequality between the male and female barriers. So he his head is in all the right places and he's looking to the future when the robots take over. Like, these are things that we're not even thinking of yet because we're so, we're so caught up in the last industrial revolution that we're not ready for the next one. Like, you know, when those jobs, you know, wipe out, it's like, because there's only so many industries that are protected by the personal touch, as you mm-hmm. said. Like, only so many industries. And even then, with artificial intelligence, who knows how close we can get to replicating the personal touch. And the human, like, human, the human, human, yeah, the human touch, human Physical interaction. Contact. I mean, they, people, that, do you write letters anymore? I do. I do with my grandmother because mm. she's old school like that. Yeah. Um, but I know very few people who do, and it is very expensive to write a letter. Okay. It's, like, <laughs> it's like 59 cents plus, plus the cost of the Don't paper the you're ink. writing on, yeah, plus, the ink, plus the envelope. And plus the time it takes to walk. And if you get a paper cut, you're going to have to buy a band-aid. Okay. Like so tools. Plus the time it takes to walk to uh, the But that's the, that's the beauty of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she's, she's Those traditional now. ways of Well, that's the thing. is, And that's why and that's why sometimes it's hard for... it. it, it sometimes it's hard to get people, of the, uh, the gays, to understand why it's hard to break traditions. Because... They can see how some traditions, yeah, let's break those. Let's like smash them like rocks. Yeah. Whereas other traditions, it's like no, like we need to uphold this tradition, and that's where sometimes the right wing comes into play with saying upholding the tradition of um, marriage Marriage between between a man man and and a woman because that's how it was originally defined, and it's one thing to it's one thing to redefine something, but it's another thing to. To instead of redefining marriage, why don't we define something new? Mm-hmm. Just like we are with gender nonconformity, we're defining all these new terms of calling that gray area you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, the the gray areas and um, fine lines, and 
it's it's going to be interesting to see how it pans out this elect this electoral cycle because mm-hmm. we haven't even begun to see one the power of all the candidates. I mean, my hands-on favorites are not the establishment candidates. So I am not in the the Joe Biden camp, mm-hmm. and I'm not in the Bernie Sanders camp mm-hmm. because I think we need new politics and we need mm-hmm. new blood. So I am a Kamala Harris, um, Andrew Yang. Pete Buttigieg, Cory Brooker. I'm not a fan of Elizabeth Warren. I'm not too big a fan of Klobuchar. And from there, there's a sort of a litany of others that haven't had a chance to break away yet. Yeah. But I would say that that second, the Pete, so Joe is right now the hands-on favorite followed by Bernie Sanders, and then we call it the rest of the pack. But Mm. that rest, the middle of the pack, and then there's the tail end. But that middle of the pack is so diverse and has so much just dynamism. Dynamism, whatever. Hashtag new word. Hashtag new word. Dynamism. (laughs) Dynamism. That it's almost like I literally can't even or odd. Because we've never seen... Well, the funny thing is, though, is we've never seen a candidacy so diverse, and yet the leaders are three white men. Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, and Beto O'Rourke. Well, Beto O'Rourke's losing ground, but, um, you know, I don't know what's going on with this candidacy, actually. I haven't heard a lot from it. But, um, anyways... Once again, I'm Xander Alexander. And this is All Tea No Shade, where I try to keep it real, I try to keep it cute, and I try to keep it real cute. And that's the tea.